BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today is the day you will lose fat. Come see Dr. T at NJ Diet. Easiest diet I've ever done. It's changed my life. Come see Dr. T. Using blood work and DNA testing. 1-855-5-NJ-DIET and njdiet.com. Change your life in only 40 days with NJ Diet. I kept thinking of Mass Ace's classic Disposable Arts as I kept listening to my next two guests' album. I wasn't thinking that they obviously copied the album, I just was amazed to hear something that connected uh, in such a way that it was a complete album. Um, each track is together, woven perfectly. Uh, the skits support the songs, the song supports the skits. The beats are amazing. The voice of the MC is amazing. The album's called Brooklyn Story. With that, I want to welcome Marco Polo and Master Ace to the Library of Tomine Kill. Thank you. Epic intro. Clap it up, y'all. Yeah. There we go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for comparing it to Disposable because that is my favorite Master Ace album. So. We all trying to live, so we all grind. And then we started saying Crooklyn. Of course, of course. Um, so the album obviously starts out with a conversation with you and your dad uh, about moving to Brooklyn. Uh, yes. I am a Washington Heights kid, so mm-hmm. I'm going to take offense to that. No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> what was, why Brooklyn? Like, I mean, what is, you know, a kid from Canada, is, is it just thinking about Brooklyn? <laughs> I mean,. There was a couple other pieces in the puzzle of the journey, um, but why I ended up in Brooklyn is really I needed a place to live. <laughs> and I, it was like, what's available through my small network of people? And a friend of a friend just said, basically, I have a friend, he has a room. At that point, I didn't need to hear anything else. It was, yes, <laughs> where do I sign up? I am gonna, about to be homeless in New York. I have an internship at the studio. And I ended up in uh, the downtown Brooklyn area, and I've been there literally since 2002. What were your just What were your first impressions when you got to Brooklyn, uh, from a personal standpoint, but also from a music standpoint? Fear is the first one, just because living in the suburbs of Toronto, Canada, which is uh, definitely you don't have to think about certain things. Uh, and then my introduction to hip hop, and through the music, just learning about New York. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a bit of like, you know, they paint a picture, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And when, so when I got there, my neighborhood was seemed cool, but you know, it's a big park there. My roommate who was, 
who was born and raised there all his life, was telling me the stories of every night them pulling bodies out of Fort Greene Park. And, you know, and, you know, but now I'm looking in the park and I'm seeing people walking their dogs. I'm seeing, you know, kids. So things were changing. But I definitely had my guard up when I first moved to New York. And when I first moved to New York, there was even a different energy going to concerts and rap shows. I felt like I would go to shows and at any moment, sometimes something could happen, which is so different than how it is now. So fear mixed with excitement to sum it up. Aze, what's your earliest memory of Brooklyn for you? I mean, what? I mean, for your personal, personal, but also for your your music. Well, my my earliest memories of Brooklyn is my childhood. That's my entire childhood. I was born and raised in Brownsville, Brooklyn. It's all I knew. Um, I didn't know about a world outside of Brooklyn. I didn't know about other boroughs. I mean, I heard about them, but I had never visited any other boroughs. And my neighborhood. Um, was really all that I had to go by. And so I thought that all of Brooklyn was the same way. You know, we, we played different games in, in, in the neighborhood, and um, we had tons of fun as kids. There was a swim pool in our projects right behind the building, so we went to the pool during the summertime. Literally every day we were in there for three hours, four hours, um, playing around in the swimming pool. And then the DJ around dusk, the DJ would bring out equipment out into the basketball court, and set up um, turntables and big giant bass bottom speakers and start playing music. And that what year was, was that? Man, that was probably 78, 79. So you weren't hearing rap songs, you were hearing disco and breaks disco. and stuff like that. Straight disco. You know, good times, bounce rock skate, joints like that. And, um, you know, the older kids, because I was too old to really be in the park, so I would be on the outside looking through the fence. And the older kids were in the park dancing, smoking weed, um, just partying, like afros. Everybody had afros. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question now. Did you ever, because um, one of a, a classic New York thing in my mind is when you see you go on a block and you see the fire hydrant unscrewed and water spraying course, and yeah, kids yeah. playing in it. Did you guys yeah. do that? Did you I know how personally to do? didn't Probably do that. Probably as a kid, you didn't have the technology no i mean it was no it was happening directly in front of my building but it was like a no-no mm -hmm. um and so my grandmother was very much a stickler for rules and, and regulations and but somebody did it that was illegal <laughs> so i would literally sit in my window seventh floor and look right down at all these kids shirtless kids running around through this through this gushing gushing fire hydrant and there was this technique where they would take a, um, a like a like a can from from the pantry, like a beans can, and they would cut the top off and the bottom off, so it would create a tube, and they would put the can in front of this gushing hydrant and make the water go up into the air. Ah. I don't know if you remember. There was a scene in um, a Spike Lee movie, um, "Do the Right Thing," mm -hmm. where the Italian dudes was coming through with this really nice car, and he's like, "Hey, hold the water, hold that water." And then they're like, okay, and, and he sits on the pump and lets the water go down. And then as soon as he starts to go in the convertible, they let it go and, and, and shoot the water into his car. Well, that, that happened like right in front of my building a couple times. And the great words of my father, he said, necessity is the mother of invention. It was hot and yeah, <laughs> it was hot and dudes wanted to cool off. And, if, and you had to pay to get into the swimming pool. So it was like 50 cents or something. That was big money back then. 25 cents to get into the pool. If you didn't have money, you had to open a hydrant. Yep. 
or the Johnny Pump, as they called it. Okay. So that was a New York thing. I wasn't wrong for thinking that. No, it was. Because now it's gotten harder because they've actually been like real locks on the oh, yeah. and stuff they like had that. To lock them so up. And rightfully so. And they have to have the firemen. No point in too. wasting water. And it would lower the water pressure. So if there was a fire in the area, the fire um, department couldn't sh- couldn't use their hoses as effectively if those pumps were of course. lowering the pressure. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Off track, sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, so, obviously, you, 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 you've known Brooklyn for much longer. My life. Than, my whole life. My whole life. You've Ace is Brooklyn. 18 years. Uh, Brooklyn, for you, has changed a bunch. Definitely. Brooklyn, for you, has also probably Absolutely. changed a bunch. Absolutely. It's changed for me. I can only imagine for Ace. How has that change kind of, you, do you think, affected um, affected? Um, you your creativity in terms of like art and even future artists create artists artists creativity uh how is, has that changed how has that changed actually affected them if it has at all i don't know i guess kids are going to rap about coffee now i don't know <laughs> it, it, you know americano life yeah but, i don't know it's you know what i use uh what's that artist's name with the panda song and that's no shots to him I oh guess. oh um um designer that was the first time where i realized that because uh, to me, when you say New York, I'm going to associate it with a sound. And if you played me designer's music, I would have no idea he was from Brooklyn. Right. That's all. true. So the moment I found out he was from Brooklyn, I realized things had changed in terms of whatever I thought the New York sound was. It essentially could be true in my mind, but it has changed drastically because you can have artists that literally sound like there could be from anywhere. Right. You know? And so... Yeah, that, that hit me hard when I figured out he was from Brooklyn. I was like, whoa. Some of that is, to me, is based on um, what, New, what, what New York radio has turned into. Because these kids, they grow up on what they hear on the radio. That's They're five, six, seven years old. They're listening to a certain type of music, and that's what's on the radio. That's the commercially available music to listen to. And so they were, they were raised, when, when Designer was probably a kid, they were probably playing nothing but Down South music mm. on the radio, mm. and that's all he heard. And so this new generation of young spitters in Brooklyn and, and New York City, period, they were raised on a Down South sound, a trap sound. So if you listen to these kids, they're bringing you their demos, or they're, like, they're sending you their SoundCloud, it's all trap beats, because that's what they were raised on. That's New, York, that's New York Radio's fault. Though. Shouts to Marlon Kraft. You can read the back of my hoodie. Take New York back, no doubt. Hashtag. Uh, on the track, actually, I'm going to get into that. On the track Kings, you address, you know, you guys address this issue, the argument between two generations. Yeah. About, uh, it's been an ongoing argument. It happened with your, the older generation for you, older generation for you, and now where you become the older generation, right? So we don't want to look like we're shitting on younger people's music. Right. Um, what is, or how, is there a way of getting these two generations on the same page when it comes to talking about hip-hop music for me i think it's 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 uh having a mutual respect and open-mindedness to at least hear each other it's just have a discussion to start there listen to both sides and uh basic stuff for me is just dialogue yeah he said it, he hit it right on the head. It, it starts with that. It starts with conversation and dialogue. The song with me and Marlon Craft on the album, which is called Wannabe, is kind of like, to me, that dialogue between two generations, the conversation. Um, my generation, uh, a lot of us tend to be very close-minded to all new music. It's like, 
and they put it we put it all in one big 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 pile oh that's all garbage it's all garbage and it's not all garbage a lot of it is garbage but you got to be willing to take the time to kind of sift through the garbage and find good stuff and you got to open your mind mind to it otherwise the dialogue ends right there because the young people they're going to take it they're going to be the same way a lot of them they're like oh that's y'all that's that old stuff we ain't into that we we on something new we on a new wave but they got to willing to be willing to be open-minded too and i think some summits some 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 panels some conversations can 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 lead us down a a better a better path of understanding yeah people are just they have fear about change this applies to everything that people are some they're not familiar with it's an automatically this feeling of hatred to, uh, i don't know what that is so it, it's bad and right. fuck it and so yeah definitely having a conversation would be helpful because there's a lot of new stuff out there that's dope to me like i don't hate on everything a lot of it doesn't speak to me but there's there's some kids doing some really really creative stuff what was the conversation like i mean prior to making this track kings i mean how i guess how did the concept come about um that was straight me kind of making some beats in with ace in mind and he that was all him coming up with uh with that concept i heard the beat and uh it, it spoke to me in a certain way and i really believe that most of my songs my best songs write themselves i hear the beat and it immediately transport me tra transports me someplace takes me right into the first line of the song and something about the mood and energy of this of the beat make me write words that fit what i'm hearing when i hear the beat and so the king's joint was no different i heard the beat and it just spoke to me in a certain way and it started off as a in my mind it started off as like a just a, i was going to kind of just spit but then as i started writing a couple of lines it turned into a little bit more of a social socially conscious uh communally conscious vibe and i just kind of i just i went where the beat took me and it took me someplace other than just spitting straight rhymes uh, marco you do I, I think the great thing about this album is that all your beats fit uh ace's voice perfectly um thank you from a producer point of view is there with especially with ace is there kind of a beat or sound that just wouldn't work with him i mean it, it, like you yeah know. I'm, i make tons of beats that ace might even say are dope but that would not be for him i think i think that's what's good about this album is that this is the first time in a long time where i was pushed to do something a little bit different than i've been doing with my the last three four projects which was just aggressive timberland hoodie smash you in the face and i love that all day and i think we have some joints like that on the album but this forced me to show my versatility, get some melodies happening, some more emotion, some more feeling, and nothing but good things come of that for a producer to, to kind of switch it up. The moment you start doing the exact same thing all the time, I think is when you kind of, you burn out. So I like it. And now I'm, you know, and now I'm even trying to take it to some other places with future sounds. So, yeah. <clears throat> the track uh, Fight Song featuring Farrah Monch, uh it's a, again a, a perfect example of you know you you understanding your artists that you're working with because Ace should have got co-production on that when I think about it just because when I made the original beat uh, there was drums in it the whole thing it's not it's not too late <laughs> he gets it he gets co-production on the subtractive suggestions that really made it the thing that it is because 
I am known for drums. Me making beats with no drums. I mean, it might happen once in a while, but yeah, that originally the drums were rocking through the whole thing. And he's like, literally, he was like, do this. Take the drums out here, bring them back in here. And and then the drums through, went through another change. So his idea to remove the drums literally made that song a little more, much more emotional because it's really about the vibes and their, and their words for the verses. And I was adamant the the original drums that you had. Oh, he didn't like them. They he didn't. was like, they're cool. He's like, try and take it somewhere else. So I had some original break beats that my boy J-Zone played for me. Shouts to J-Zone and it worked perfectly for the hook. But I just think it adds to the the up and down, the epicness of it, you know, because when the hook finally comes in with the drums and everything, it just it has a has a feeling. Yeah. When the first those first two parts of uh, the first part of Pharaoh's verse, but also the first part of your verse, right. uh, that's to me highlights also you being able to use your voice as another instrument uh, during the writing process for this. I mean, you, when you know your voice is going to be that third, fourth, fifth, whatever instrument. Do you have to write differently, or do you approach it differently? Do you approach the track differently? Nah, I, I honestly, this is another one of those cases where the beat, the beat spoke to me. I couldn't write to the beat until he uh, structured it the way I wanted, which was no drums in the in the verse. Um, I couldn't write to it when the drums were in there. So once he, uh, you know, restructured it, and I had that section um, of music without the drums. That's when I was able to really, really get in there and figure out the lines. And uh, it's, it's so interesting because certain songs, I actually remember where I was when I, when I started writing them or wrote most of it. And I was in my car driving on my way to the Bronx to speak to a, a school of junior high school kids. And that's where I came up with those first maybe eight bars was like in the car. Shouts to Paul Barman. Shouts, shout to MC Paul Barman who, who gave me the idea to even do the song. Mm. Um, he's the one who hit me up one day and was like, I think you should do a song about, you know, where uh, another MC is MS and you're kind of battling this other MC. And the idea, it was such a dope idea, but I didn't have a beat for it. I was like, I don't think I have anything for that. But if I come across something, then I'll consider it. And this beat was, I'm pretty sure I had, you had given me this beat already, but it was the old way. And then as I heard, as I thought more about it, I was like, this could actually work for that idea. And man, Paul Barman, thank you for the inspiration and the idea. And you know, what a song. Hmm. How did you guys know Farrah? I mean, how did you guys know? I mean, to be honest, like, you can't just ask any MC to become multiple sclerosis. Like, I think we both. One of the good things about working with Ace and me is, I think. I could be a little more random, but it's really, it's not just he's dope, put him on the track. It's like, let's really think who would sound good on this, who's appropriate, what makes sense. And who can pull it off. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have worked with Pharaoh and have a relationship with him. And, you know, it had to be some over the top special skill set MC shit. And I knew he would get it. And I knew he could become the character we needed, and she sure did. Um, like we said, this, uh, this, this album kind of takes us on, I think, your hip-hop journey. Uh, from, yes. And you use that through skits, you know, voicemails, et cetera. Um, yes. 
in terms of beats, how do you, I mean, you obviously have the, 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 the vocal, right? So we, we, I could understand vocals more than I could understand beats, so to say, in terms right. of talking to me. How do you ensure that the listener through your beats are going on this kind of hip-hop journey with you to New York? Um, I mean... You mean when I'm making them? When I'm mixing them? I guess when you make, uh, yeah, making them. I mean, the the hard part is over once I make beats that Ace is inspired by. That's really the most difficult part is because he's a picky guy, which is great. It forces me to really push it. Um, once we had those picked out and laying down songs, then I go into my nerd zones where kind of Ace fell back and I, he let me nerd out with the mixing and the, you know, we would do drops together, but like really getting things sounding a certain way and, you know, the clarity and mixing vocals and, you know, the skits and all that was, was all, he was, was written by Ace and the arrangement, but yeah, man, that's what I love to do. I love to mix master and, and, and be involved in how things can sound, make it sound big and better and sonics are really important to me, although I'm convinced literally 20% of the world will notice the things that I do and everyone just hears the same shit. Right. It's for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Still Lover, uh, one of my favorite tracks on the album. Um, Mine too. It's, it's, the, your, it's your ode to hip-hop. Uh, why, why now? Why have this track? In, well, and it was 2018 when it was released, but why have this track now? Um, why, why give that ode? Um, ever since Common did his version of the same concept, uh, I used to love her. Um, I always thought that that was a dope song, a dope concept, and it felt like after that many years, it was time to kind of do an updated version of it um, from my own perspective. Because hip-hop had gone through a bunch more changes from the time that Common was talking about it to now. There's been a lot of different, you know, changes and things that the culture and the music has gone through. So I thought... Let's talk about it in, in terms of right now and how how she's gone from that from there to here. And so I, I, that's what I did. I wrote it in, from that perspective, and that, that's one of my f favorite tracks on the album as well. Oh, what's your favorite way, in, from a from a producer point of view, to give your ode to hip hop? My way to give my ode, I think, is just to not be whack and push myself to be as great as I can all the time. And uh, studying. This is really important for me, but studying where all this came from, I feel like it's really important to study, respect, see where things came, how they're changing, and what I could do through my beats that could be different, you know, not really bite, but, like, take that energy and do my own thing, you know? Uh, I mentioned Disposable Arts at the beginning of the, for the intro, and um, you know, as I was listening to Still Love Her, I could only think of the track Hold You on that album, uh, which was also another you know, letter to hip-hop as well. Um, and you mentioned it before in your answer, but what do you think for you, the, the, what has been the major change from when you wrote Hold You in 2001 to, to Still Love Her Now? Um, well, Hold You was a little bit more of a specific song. I was rapping about the microphone, and it's, it's amazing because to this day, a lot of people still didn't get that, that, that I was rapping, the, that the girl in the song was actually the microphone, and, and Jean Grey, was, she rapped from the perspective of being so the did microphone. Did you ask her to be a microphone? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Love stories. Um, 
Uh, but uh, it was just a, uh, I kind of, I think I was kind of in the same space mentally in terms of the, the technique that I used. Um, you know, um, turning an adamant object into a person. In both cases, it was a female. Um, but for me as a writer, those are like great challenging, great challenges from, from a writing standpoint to see how well I can weave um, this love story and make people really listen to it on face value as a love story and really truly believe I'm talking about a female and then find out later or on a, on a, after 10 listens that, oh, wait, this is not about a girl. Um, for me as a writer, that's the challenge, to be as creative as I can and to be as specific as I can and make real people re really, really real people in to believe in that I'm talking about a girl. And then um, that discovery at some later date when they find out, maybe at this interview, where they find out <laughs> that it's, oh, not about a girl. Now I want to listen back and see all of the hints that were dropped and see what I missed. And when you listen back after knowing, you hear all of the... All of the you got a new appreciation. Yeah, you hear Brand it all. New. Yep. Uh, the track American, American Me, um, I, I, all I can think of is like, uh, we're, we're, in, we're, in, we're obviously in the era of a Trump presidency. Um, yes. What... How, for both of you, has, or has it at, at all, how has the creative process, I guess, inspiration process changed or stayed the same, or does it even fucking matter, uh, with Trump being president? It hasn't messed up my creative inspiration. It's definitely contributed to anxiety, stress, and anger in my <laughs> life just by uh, completely disagreeing with how he moves and how he views things and his ideas is not my ideas as a and i'm an i'm an immigrant i'm canadian in america right. so it's especially important for people here on green cards to be aware of what he's doing because it could definitely affect the future um for people that want to move here and you know how we're looked at obviously i'm white it doesn't really apply to me like other immigrants that move here but it's scary times it's scary times so i just um i had to really be careful as I was writing this album because I knew that I wanted to speak on some issues, some political issues, some social issues that were bothering me. But I didn't want to I didn't want to hit people over the head with a with a piano. Mm -hmm. Um and so what I tried to do was kind of sprinkle in thoughts and ideas um, throughout the album in different keys, key, certain key songs, certain key moments, American Me being being one of them. But I tried to do it from the standpoint of being more thought-provoking than preachy. Um, and so you'll hear me ask questions on songs, but not answer them, mm -hmm. um, because I'm leaving it up to the listener to hear the question and then to come up with their own conclusion as to what that answer to that question is. So it's just kind of my way of, um, you know, creating dialogue within us, within ourselves. Um, I don't necessarily give you my point of view on certain topics. I just raise the questions that we can, you know, potentially talk about at a later date. Do you think, uh, well, just music in general, do you think it's, 
it's become more important now or is it the responsibility of music to continue to ask these questions? It's always been important for artists in, in their music to to ask questions, to push the envelope, to test to test the status quo. And, um, you know, I understand that not every artist is going to feel comfortable doing that, um, feel qualified to do that. Maybe cats are a little bit too young. Maybe they didn't pay attention, they're not paying attention like that. I mean, I think about when I was 18, 19, was I really, I didn't care anything about politics. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was as long as it didn't, as far as I could tell, affect my day to day, I was good. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think a lot of young people might, you know, mentally might be in that place. But for those artists that have that platform and can do it, I think that it's absolutely important. It's part of music. It's always been part of hip hop to be socially conscious and to speak on topics. And hopefully, the, the, you know, hip hop's voice will continue to do that on some level. Uh, the last track on the album is, uh, is, is your mom talking about a, uh, your, your song, Nostalgia. And it's a, it's a skit. Uh, so two questions. Why leave us with a skit? But then also, what is, for you, what, what's the importance of this track, Nostalgia, for you? In terms I mean, of your personal life and your hip-hop career. So many things about that song are important to me. Uh, it's definitely the first song that... Uh, if I had a song, like I don't have a hit record in my in my career, but if if I had a song, it's that one. Uh, but more importantly, it's the catalyst I think to this album happening. It's because of the love that songs received, and Aces probably noticed over the years. We we do it in the shows, and it was the idea of us making music seemed to be cool to people, and uh, it definitely put the you know the battery in the pack to discuss a full album. So. You know, the video's got crazy love. It continues to grow. It's got like seven, eight million views. And yeah, it's, it's a very important song for me. Why, when your mom's talking uh, in the sketch, she's talking about the video. I'm just curious, why, why did you guys consciously make her talk about the video versus just the, the song itself? That, I don't think that was anything over... It was probably just an ace writing thing. Yeah, it, was, um, it wasn't an over... It wasn't... I overthought that one. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. No, no particular, no particular uh, d d deep meaning behind it, but just, uh, just that acknowledgement um, of my voice over his beats and how she yeah, recognized that that was part. cool. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and then there, were, there we go. Yeah, and that's... Even though he wrote it, it's, it's something she would have called me and said anyways right. because she's just... That type of person. So, shouts to my mom. Love you. Uh, a couple more questions. Uh, so, obviously, you're working together. You have this incredible album together. Uh, you're on the track Nostalgia. But what was for you, Marco? What What was that first Ace song you heard or verse that said, "Hey, I gotta mess with this guy"? I definitely heard some of the older joints. Like the Symphony was probably the first time I heard Ace. Just when because I wasn't listening to hip hop when the Symphony came out. I was I don't even know how old I was, but I had discovered hip hop a little later. So I went back and did my research, like kind of like going to a library. But the album that resonated, he knows it is disposable. When I moved to New York, I feel like it had been out. It came out around wait what? Oh one, which is Same exactly year. when I moved. So I remember going to Fat Beats to buy records. And that, and don't understand. I remember I walked into Fabrics one day and don't understand is just blaring and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and then that album was really important to me because I connected to me moving to New York. So the irony of this album being a part of, of that time frame and me coming up to me now doing an album with him is so bugged out now that I think about it. But yeah, emotionally Ace was going through some things during that time 
and probably yeah. didn't want to rap anymore and was trying to figure out the next move and all that went into like i just feel the emotions um you know tracks like dear diary no regrets and just like when acknowledge comes on during the shows i still get like so hype as many times if if we've played it uh so yeah that's 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 that whole album is my shit <laughs> good job buddy it's a good album thanks marco <laughs> and ace for you what was the first i know i know i know the story with uh him approaching you after a session with a C- cd <laughs> that has been told but uh Besides the beats that were on there, was there something that I mean, like that he officially produced that you heard that kind of said, "All right, this guy, this guy knows what he's doing." Who's the beat CD? Yeah, it was it was really the initial beats that I heard because, um, what 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 you don't know is that that the original beat CD that he gave me, I didn't pick anything off that CD, but he sent me a, a follow up uh, group group of beats, and on that CD, nostalgia was on that CD. But uh, and the song that I uh, wound up doing with Big Noid from my album um, Long Hot Summer, Long Hot Summer, was on that CD. And the beat for You and I, which is one of the songs off this album, was on that CD. Yeah, that beat is like old as shit. Wow. It got a little bit of a spruce up, but for the most part, the that is. I've held that beat 18 years. <laughs> no, not not because you gave it to me. I feel like I gave you that beat CD when you did that show in Toronto at the Opera House with EMC. Around 0405. Because like, that was, well, it it was been tossed around there for the EMC album, and everyone passed, and you're like, I like this. I'm going to keep it. Ace would keep pitching this beat. I think you probably maybe even pitched it for Edo album. Not that one. Not that one. Not that one. The Get Shot beat I pitched Dikembe, for Edo. Right. So, yeah, you and I and, and Get Shot are... Uh, I've held on to for a long time, but it just kind of shows you that I really felt like those were timeless beats if i can hold on to a beat that long and you know eight years later still feel it right and then write a song to it after eight years that t- that lets me know that I, I made the right choice and that's a lot of the music that marco makes for me has been those kind of timeless timeless joints and uh he's 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 good at that he's good at that uh, last question for both of you. Is there a, and a different answer is probably obviously, but is there a one track on this album that kind of like defines and probably is going to change whatever, could probably change tomorrow, but defines kind of the mission of this or the goal of this album? Hmm. Good question. I always struggle with this in terms of even just picking my favorite song. I think Ace Still Lover is his, his, his with confidence, his favorite song. Yeah, but he's asking a different question. No, I know what embodies. No, I get it. To me, it's Brooklyn. It's yeah, Brooklyn. I, mean, I might have to agree with that. When I hear those pianos, um, that the music on that joint, it takes me. To, it takes me to the streets of Brooklyn on a hot summer day. Everybody's out. You know, the girls got the little, you know, the 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 spaghetti strap tops on the short shorts <laughs> the cars are rolling by playing music um everybody the drums come in and smash you in the face <laughs> it's just so hot that nobody wants to be in the house so every, everybody's outside of their house and you you know you can look up in the window and hear air conditioners going and you can see water dripping from the air conditioners some people got fans in their windows and it just feels like brooklyn on a hot summer day and it really sums up the whole entire album for me anyway I can't even argue that. I'm just going to cop out and agree with Ace on that one. It, it is. That's the defining song for the right. album. 
works for me. Uh, Marco Polo, Master Ace, new album, a Brooklyn story, incredible album. Thank uh, you, thanks, man. Thank you too for being. Thanks to everybody for coming out. Yes, yes, appreciate y'all. We'll just do meet and greet later. Don't worry meet about the I'm just trying to honor this place that we call home, Brooklyn. Look, I'm really just trying to make you proud, like look, mom. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.